You may be seated. Awesome. Well, it's good to see everyone here tonight that uh, joined with us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Even in the midst of uh, all the difficulties in the world, we can still gather and worship the King and celebrate Christmas. Amen. The birth of our, celebrating the birth of our uh, Savior. So we have uh, some readings that we're going to do, and we have some specials that we're going to have, and uh, we're going to receive an offering for missions tonight. I'm supposed to remind all of you that there are treats by the door as you go out tonight for the kids, all right? Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what the age limit is, but you're right. So my granddaughter, Shayla, is going to come and do the first reading, so come on up, Shayla. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors dividing the plunder, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Joy of the Father 
Amen. You ready? This is my grandson, Mason. All right. When the angels had gone away from the he into heaven, the shepherds began saying one to another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were astonished and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things given carefully through thought to them and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that he had, all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them.
All right, this is my granddaughter, Torrance. You want me to hold the mic or do you want to hold it? Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. Amen. Good job. All right. Awesome. Well, we can turn the lights up. Okay. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that we like to do on our Christmas Eve service is receive an offering towards missions. And uh, we just had the opportunity here just uh, last week to help a young lady, uh, and we're going to continue to help her. Her name's Kelsey Miller, who's actually going overseas. Um, young lady, and uh, very young, um, and uh, she is, uh, feels the call to the field. And uh, we believe in that here at Amazing Grace Church. And uh, she doesn't attend church here, but she is related to one of our family members here, and we just really... We just really believe in helping people get to where God wants them to be. And so tonight, uh, I'm just going to ask that uh, in this offering, as we give, that uh, your Christmas offering, whatever you would give to Jesus, we always like to think about the mission field and people that, are in, that need to hear the gospel yet. And uh, this is a great opportunity to do that. So whatever you can do would be great. Uh, the ushers are going to pass the baskets tonight. And uh, we've got a really nice special by the Cruz family that they're going to sing. And uh, if you need an offering envelope, they're in the back of your chairs there. If you're writing out checks, uh, you can make them out to AGC is fine. And uh, thank you so much for helping us to be able to help those who want to go and uh, go all over the world. We do a lot locally, um, helping um, on college campuses that uh, preaching the gospel. Of course, Heart of Saginaw, we do a lot with that as well, which is reaching people in the community of Saginaw on the west side, east side, excuse me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so we, and then we have missionaries in Colombia to Africa to uh, everywhere, all around the world. And so we believe in that. Actually, this year, uh, our church is going to be a part of sending our youth group, most of our youth group, to uh, Bogota, Colombia. And uh, so uh, they have, I think they've got between 20 to 30 that are already signed up to do that, teenagers. And so... It's a good deal, amen? Because once they go and they get that experience, man, it changes their lives. And several of them will get the call, just like several of our people have gotten the call after they have gone. Let's pray, and we're going to receive this offering tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to send people into the mission field to preach the gospel. Tonight, Lord God, as we give, we give this gift to you, Lord Jesus. Uh, we've prepared a lot of gifts here the last several weeks, but this is probably the most important gift that we give because we're giving this for your sake and the message of what you wanted to go all around the world. And so, Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to do this tonight, and we thank you, Lord God, that we are planting into ground that is going to be productive, and uh, we are just grateful for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, ushers.
All right. So uh, I'm supposed to also let you know I'm getting all these announcements as church is going on. Uh, not only are there things for the kids, but if you want pictures in front of the tree out in the lobby, there'll be somebody there that can do that. Um, so would love to be able to, if you want to get your family all together and get a big photo out there, we can help make that um, happen. So I want to ask you a question tonight. Um, do you like mysteries? Most people do. I mean, they like them. In our home, my wife, she loves mysteries. And uh, whether uh, she would watch, she'll watch shows and she just loves the whole thing. And I think part of it is because um, she likes to try to figure stuff out. And so we sit there and competitively try to figure out who the murderer was or, and, um, you know, and, and, uh, or who, who stole the money or who did what. And uh, in a lot of the mysteries that we watch. And we enjoy doing that, you know. And, of course, it's always good to have good competition in your marriage relationship, right? And uh, so we competitively try to figure out things. But mysteries are, are an interesting thing. You know, the ones we watch on TV, of course, those are, those are safe mysteries for us to watch, right? Because we're really not, there's really nothing much involved for us except just trying to guess what happened and for the sheer entertainment value. But... For Mary and Joseph, they were in a real mystery that they did not know what was going to happen for them. And, you know, when you think about the, the story, because we really weren't involved in that story, uh, the things, of course, for Mary, that she's betrothed to be married. I mean, can you imagine what her family said to her when she told them, hey, I'm pregnant by God, right? And I'm going to have a child. And how that in their society, you know, if you embarrass the family, they pretty much cut you off completely. And so we have no record of what happened with her parents, what happened with her family. So she was kind of on her own. And then Joseph was trying to figure out whether, because once you had become engaged in, a, in the Jewish marriage, you were actually considered married from that point on. Uh, you just weren't living in the same home. Well, Joseph's trying to figure out what he's going to do. I mean, he had every right to drag her out in the street and have her stoned because she's pregnant and it's not his baby. Then Joseph, God appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him what's going on. And a little bit more of the mystery is solved for Joseph. And so he heads out, as you know, uh, he heads out with Mary. They're, they've put a tax that they people have to go back to their hometowns. And I thought it was interesting. I was uh, studying this out that you know, Joseph had to go to Bethlehem because that's where his family was from. But did you notice when Joseph got to Bethlehem, none of his family would help him out? Nobody offered for him to come stay at the house. I mean, there was nobody there. And the reason would have been because Joseph made a decision to take a woman who was going to have a child that wasn't his. And so he would have been ostracized. They would have totally... So this, this mystery just gets deeper and deeper as we go on. And then, of course, the shepherds and, and everything that they're told, as our kids were reading here earlier, mysteries. Mary and Joseph, their lives definitely became, wouldn't you agree, a life of faith, but also became very unpredictable. You know, how often we in life try to predict what's going to happen, Right? You know, don't you think Mary and Joseph, when all this started, that they, you know, 
they had plans. I mean, they were thinking about their life together. They're raising their family. They're going to have their own home. Joseph's going to build this home. I mean, it's going to be really awesome. They've got this whole future planned out. And everything that they predictably had thought didn't come to pass. It didn't happen the way that they thought it was going to happen. You know, this year has been a lot like that, hasn't it? That it's been unpredictable. I, we've heard those words so many times. Uh, we've heard words like extraordinary, unpre unprecedented times, challenging. I told my wife one time, if one more person said unprecedented on the radio, I was going to bust it. <laughs> I just got so tired of hearing it, right? Because, you know, they're just like, these are extraordinary. These are unprecedented, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm tired of hearing about how crazy it is. I know it's crazy, but... It's a mystery in a way because when we started last year at this time in Christmas, you know, we're moving to the new year. It was a totally different world, wasn't it? I mean, we didn't see this coming. Nobody saw this gonna, that this is the way that things were going to play out this year. I know some of you are not going to be able to gather with family uh, because some of them are dealing with COVID. Others of you that they just are choosing to this year to not do anything. And, you know, those, those kinds of things are happening. So our whole world has really been kind of turned upside down. And it's very mysterious because we don't know, you know, we know now they're talking about there's, a, you know, there's things to help people, but we don't know how all that's going to play out and uh, what's happening with that. And so there's a lot of, there is a lot of uncertainty. But, you know, as I, as I, as I think about and was studying on this, I thought about how that certainty in our lives can definitely become an idol to us, that we can predict everything that's going to happen, that we think we know exactly how life is going to turn out. And it can become idolatry to us. Certainty can definitely become an idol to even God's people who think this is the way this is all going to happen. This is how my life is going to go. This is what's going to be the next thing. Some of you know this because you've experienced that this year. What you predicted and what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. So you had to make adjustments and you had to make changes. And, and so life became very, very mysterious. Some people have not done well with it. You know, depression and anxiety are an all-time high right now. They figure about 40% of people are battling depression. I get, I get texts from people saying, please pray for my teenage daughter. She's terribly depressed right now. I mean, we're having trouble trying to get her, you know, just to function because she just has given up. We hear this over and over from people. We hear about, you know, the, 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 the struggle because we, we, you know, we've been isolated and because we've been told not to come together. And so now people are starting to get very, very depressed over that. But yet in the midst of all of that unpredictability, there's certainty that we can have in our lives. I was reading this passage out of 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16, and, and uh, in one translation it says it like this. Paul says, hey guys, I hope to visit you soon, but just in case I'm delayed, I'm writing this letter so you'll know how things ought to go in God's household. This God-alive church, this bastion of truth, this Christian life is a great mystery. The Christian life is a great mystery, far exceeding our understanding but some things are clear enough, some things that we are definitely sure about. And that goes on and says, Christ appeared in a human body. And that's really what this night is all about, is just the preparation. We don't know exact dates or times or when, but we do know this, he did come. It really doesn't matter when he came, we don't need a certain date for that. He came, 
and he came, God in flesh came. And that's a great mystery. To try to understand that is just is really beyond our capability and our thinking. How can that be that Jesus Christ was fully God and he was fully man all at the same time? I mean, it's an amazing thing. He says, listen, he appeared in human body, was proved right by the invisible spirit, was seen by angels, he was proclaimed among all kinds of people, and he was believed in all over the world, and he was taken up into heavenly glory. Mysteries can create an uncertainty in us because we long, all of us do, for predictability. The ability to predict how it's going to go. You know, you've been getting, those of you that are having Christmas gatherings, you've been kind of predicting how that's all going to go, right? Whether it's ham or turkey or sweet potatoes or mashed potatoes or pork and sauerkraut or whatever it is that you have on Christmas Day and who's going to come. And, but I want, you to, I want you to think about this, that Things don't always go the way you predict they're going to go, do they? They just don't. They don't happen the way you think it's going to go. And you know what? Truthfully, in all honesty, you really don't remember all the ones that went the way that you thought they should go the way that they did. The ones you remember are the ones that didn't go that way. Right? I mean, we're having a great Christmas Eve service this year. And we'll remember it because we did it during the pandemic, I'm sure. But I remember, I'm, we, I've been here 28 years. We've had a bunch of Christmas Eve services. And I want to tell you, some of them were absolute disasters. <laughs> no, they were. Standing right over here, one evening we were having Christmas Eve, and the, and the people, there was such a small crowd because there was a big snowstorm that night on Christmas Eve. And so we're all gathered around the altar, and we all light our candles, and we're all singing Silent Night. And this guy actually set his wife's hair on fire. Now, that made it an interesting <laughs> Christmas Eve service. And then there was the year we had the Griswold Christmas service. Some of you were here for that. If you don't know who Clark Griswold is, he's an amazing uh, story, fic uh, fictional person. But, but everything that could go wrong went wrong. We had someone get up to read. They got confused and lost their place and couldn't find their spot in their reading. The song, we had a special that was supposed to be sang that night, and their, their, their tape that they were using to play the music, it actually got all jumbled up, and so they couldn't get in the right key, so everything was off. Uh, we had a great choir number all planned, and a girl fainted and fell on the floor. This all, now look, this is all, I'm not talking about this happened on different years. This all happened in one service, all right? This was the real deal. You never forget something like this. She passes out and is laying on the floor. And I said to Chuck, what do we do? And Chuck said, just keep singing, keep singing. <laughs> She's laying there, passed out on the floor. Her dad's trying to revive her. And yeah, wow. What an amazing service that was that night. Things got very, very chaotic. But you know, those are the ones that you always remember. You, and, and truthfully in your life, those things that... When you had everything predicted, how it was all going to go. I think about it as we were, you know, all the years with our kids that the Christmases that we remember were the ones that just got real screwy. My daughter got sick, you know, throwing up. The house smelled like vomit, not evergreens. And uh, how bad that was. See, you remember those. The truth is, is that we really do long for predictability. All of us do. It's part of our, our nature to want that. Christmas chaos can be fun for a day, but we definitely seek order most days. We want 
order in our lives, right? You know, you pretty much have every day kind of planned out what you expect to have happen that day. So even though we remember the chaotic ones, we still really do want to get to what's predictable. But here's the thing that I've learned in life. The only predictability we have is God's Word. The only thing that's predictable in all of this is God. His message says in Isaiah 46.10, from the very beginning, I'm telling you what the ending will be like. Isn't that amazing? God says, look, I'm telling you in the beginning because I already know where this is all going to go. You know, in the King James Version, it says he knows the end. He knows the, the end from the beginning. He sees it all already. God isn't, just, God isn't limited by time like you and I are. So while we're down here panicking about, well, what's going to happen next? What's going to go on? What's going to take place in our world? What's going to happen in the United States? What's going to happen in the world? What's going to happen with the pandemic? What's going to happen financially? God already sees way down the road. He already knows what's all going to happen. He knows how this is all going to end up. Listen to this. He says, from the very beginning, I'm telling you what the ending will be. All along, I want to let you in on I want to let you in on what's going to happen. I want you to know, I'm going to let you know this because I'm assuring you I'm in this for the long haul. I love that. I'm in this for the long haul. Assuring you I'm in this for the long haul and I'll do exactly what I set out to do. So God is saying, look, I, I've already decided how I'm going to move in all this. I've already decided how I'm going to work in all this. Now, that's what Mary and Joseph had to deal with. Look, they didn't know what, what, what they had planned out. Didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen. We're going to go to Bethlehem. We'll find a place. We'll be able to do all this. I got family down. Nobody takes them in. They got no place to go. But God will always make a way where there is no way. Because God is not limited. He did, he'll find a way. And, and look, so they found a place. They, they found a place that this baby, it wasn't the, maybe it wasn't the most amazing place. But there was great significance. I want, I want you to understand this, that you know when we look at that story about Jesus being born, there is great significance about where he was born at. Because see, he took one of the lowest places in all the earth. The Bible tells us that he became poor, that we could become rich. He he took on the, he laid aside all his son of God privileges. You know, if we were going to say, well, our God's going to come and he's going to come and he's going to be birthed and he's going to be birthed in a cattle stall and we're going to lay him in a feeding trough. And the first group that's going to come and see him is a bunch of shepherds who were outcasts in society in Israel. They're going to be the first group that's going to come and see him and worship at his feet. We'd be like, no, 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 that's not how... My God. But see, what God did is through that birth is that he showed us that he's, look, he'll come for the lowest and he'll come for the highest. If he had come and he'd been born in a palace, it would, have, it would have ostracized people feeling that they could actually connect with who he really was. Where he started was such a powerful thing and what it, what it, the influence that it made. The only sure thing we have is what God has said. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.105 says this. Uh, in the King James, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. In the uh, Living Bible, it says, Your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and to keep me from stumbling. The life of faith, my friends, is not being able to predict how every day, week, and year will go, but it's knowing the one who holds the future. 
It's not having life all figured out and figuring out where everything's going to go and how everything's going to turn and how everything's going to, you know, that it's all going to work out according to some plan that you and I have. I love this. Paul made this statement. It's so powerful in the book of Acts. You know, here's a guy. He was going one place and God had plans for him to go someplace else. And so later on in his life, as his life is coming to a conclusion in Acts 20, it was really interesting. He said, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. I don't know what's going to happen, except that I've heard from the Holy Spirit that there are chains and tribulations awaiting me. Well, you'd think you'd want to avoid that, right? But he said, look, folks, none of these things move me, and I don't count my life dear to myself because I'm going to finish my race with joy. See, this is a choice that God's people have to make right now. This is a choice you have to make. Are you going to finish this year in joy or are you going to finish this year depressed and discouraged? Because, see, it takes the same choice to be depressed as it does to be joyful. Joy is, joy is an emotion that comes out of a choice that you make. Joy isn't an emotion that comes because you got something or something happened for you. Paul said, look, I don't count my life dear to myself. He says, I just forget about me. So I finish my race with joy and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. So back to my point, the life of faith that God has called us to is not being able to predict how every day, week, and year will go, but it is knowing the one who holds the future. One of my favorite all-time Gaither songs, Because He Lives. Because He Lives, Because He Lives. Listen, I know I'm going to be all right because He holds the future. I'm okay because I'm with the one who knows where this is all going to end up. I don't know everything that's going to happen. You don't know what 2020, or yeah, 2021 is going to be like, right? We don't know what's going to happen. But here's what I do know. God is in this for the long haul. And he's in this for the long haul with you as you give your life and you give yourself to him. You know, we can become so arrogant when we get self-sustaining and self-sustaining when we have the illusion of control. When we think we're in control. And I'm a control freak. I'll just let you know right up front. My wife will tell you that. I'm a big time control freak. I try to control everything. And uh, you know how little we really have control over, right? I remember one time, it's kind of like this story. Sharon and I are in Asheville, North Carolina. We're staying in this cabin. You know, it's a prayer cabin. And I have this Ford Thunderbird Turbo Coupe. Man, that thing was an awesome vehicle. And we're driving down this road. It had big, wide tires on it. We're driving down this road. It had been kind of snowing and uh, uh, icy. And we turned this one corner and there was sand in the road, and the back end of the car, because it was a rear-wheel rear, rear wheel drive, the back end of the car broke loose from the road and started to go out of control. So this is what I said to Sharon right before we went off the road. I got this. <laughs> right? I, I, I said, no, I got it. Wham, we're off. We, thankfully, we, we went right between two pine trees. I mean, we landed. We didn't hit a pine tree. We went between it. But see, that's a lot of times what our life looks like. We think, well, I got this. I got this under control. I'm okay. I'm going to get through this. I'll be fine. I'm going to tough it out. But the truth is that God wants to come alongside us because he's in this for the long haul. And he wants to come alongside us and be with us through this. And so that illusion of control, it's doing nothing but making us arrogant and try to make us think somehow that we're self-sustaining. 
the best thing that we can do is just to fall at the foot of Christ and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I need your help. So I want to challenge you this Christmas to surrender yourself to the mystery of God that is manifested in the flesh. Andrew Murray, the great writer, said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly yielded to him. One of my other favorite writers, Oswald Chambers, said, Jesus Christ demands that you risk everything you hold by common sense and leap into what he says. Christ demands of the man who trusts him the same reckless spirit that is daring enough to step out of the crowd and bank his faith on the character of God. To bank his faith on the character of God. Uncertainty and the stress of it will continue to increase in everyone's life until we surrender to the mystery of God, Jesus Christ. Until we surrender to the mystery of God, Jesus Christ. You know, tonight we're going to light these candles. We all, you all should have a candle. But you can't receive the light unless you're willing to yield to the light. You have to make that choice. You know, you can stop the light by saying no. You could say yes to the light by receiving the light into your life. And even though it's an image of a candles and a flame, the truth is it represents something far greater. It's us saying to God, I yield to you. I yield to you in my life. You know, tonight as you're here, you might... You may be living a life that is not yielded to God. And you might be really dealing with the uncertainty of life right now, just the fear factors that are out there. What's going to happen tomorrow? But here's what I know. I know the one who holds the future. And as we know him, we don't have to worry about today. In fact, he taught us in the scriptures, don't take any thought for today. Because you don't have any control over what's happening today. There are things happening all around us all the time that we don't, that we, we have no ability to be able to take control over. People making decisions we have no control over. But what we do have control over is to receive the light. That we say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ken, stand up. Ken, I want to ask you a question. Here on Christmas Eve, Would you receive the light? Let me ask you a question, Denise. Do you have a candle? Would you receive the light? Amen. Awesome. Let's keep it lit. There we go. Yeah, it's okay. There you go. Sir, would you receive the light? Amen. And once you've received it, would you share the light? Awesome. Thank you. How about over here? Would you receive the light? Ushers, I'm going to ask you guys to help me to pass the light. Tom, would you receive the light tonight? Thank you. Share the light. Pass the light. 
And as you receive that light, let's stand up if we would.
Well, Merry Christmas. Awesome. What a great service tonight. Amen. And I pray that if you made that decision to receive the light, that this is going to be the most awesome time of your life. The most awesome. Because now you are with the one who holds the future. And he's in this with you for the long haul. Don't ever forget it. Father, bless these as they go tonight, Lord God, as they take their light to the world to share the great message of great joy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We want to let you know that there's a